Hi, and welcome to the Soul Hubbers podcast. You have today with you your host, me, Carmen Rendell. I am on my own some this e- today without Andrew Curden and without Carrie Davis. And we hope this gives you a bit of a different flavour of the Soul Hub team. Um, and hopefully we all bring a very slight difference in terms of how we interview people and how we bring the rest of the Soul Hub team and those we speak to to life. So today we are being joined by Bettina Falkenberg, who is part of the Soul Hub team. And I guess one of the best ways that we can describe Bettina um, is that she's an integrative energy practitioner. So she works very much with the mind and body. Some of you might well know it as EFT, but she does much more than that. So we will let Bettina tell us a little bit more about that as we go through the podcast. But today, as always, we'd love to start with a question. What makes you feel soulful? So I'm just going to quickly say hi to Bettina. Welcome. Hi, Carmen. Lovely to be here. Thank you for taking the time. Fabulous. So with that question in mind, Bettina, how would you start? What makes me feel soulful? Well, many things make me feel soulful. Um, Really anything that makes me feel I lose myself, you know, completely just into joy and vibration and and um, movement. It could be, you know, I'm a cold water swimming. It could be dipping in the sea, especially when it's cold and wild. Or it could be dancing five rhythms in chaos when you're really losing yourself to the music. Or it could be a full body orgasm, I suppose. Any, any there's, of these, there's three any different of these examples. That, what a way huh? to start the show. <laughs> So anything, I guess, almost where time stops still, right, for you? Exactly. Very much exactly. In the moment. And I, I was just thinking, actually, it doesn't need to be something so terribly active. It's also just sitting and going inside and, you know. Yeah. I was thinking about you this morning as I walked along the river and the river was flowing very high and, you know, it was blistery, blustery, should I say, cold. And I thought, you know, something like this is probably your perfect, <laughs> perfect opportunity and um, uh, for you to jump into the water. Yes. And actually, I, you know, there are some places in the world where I've had wonderful, soulful experiences by rivers in woods where I just need to go and sit down and I don't need to even try and meditate. I just go there automatically into this space. It's mm. just as if the energy in me amalgamate, I suppose. Mm. And has it always been that way for you, Bettina? Mm, the quick answer is no, absolutely not. I mean, I think like most of us, I've had a big change and shift in my life, but Um, I guess looking back I've had moments like this when I was young when I was a child I think my earliest memories would be like being a 12 year old in the North Sea in really wild water where I felt like that but of course at the time I it was just fun (laughs) but of course that's good enough you know that's probably it the Mm. fun just letting Give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Who said that? Frankenfurter, I think. <laughs> but I think there's something, isn't there, about, you know, almost those moments when you do look back, they they do start very young. Um, and even though we don't have the words for it, it's kind of, it's almost something we revisit in later years, but the seed is already planted. Um, well, it's so we like know returning back to the seed, isn't it? It's, mm. 
after getting all the things that we've learned and thought and analyzed sort of out of the head again, I suppose. Yeah, beautiful. So tell us about, because obviously you said the North Sea and for those uh, with a fine-tuned ear will detect um, that you're not born on the British Isles shores, but you're born in Europe, in Germany. Um, yes. And so you grew up near the sea. Could you tell us a little bit about your, your upbringing? No, I didn't. I, I wasn't born. I wasn't born near the sea at all. I, I mean, this 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 trip to the sea when I was twelve was. That's why it was such an immense yeah. adventure. I grew up in quite a small, boring, industrial town and spent my youth wanting to get out of it. Really, um, what did I do? I mean, I I. To jump over, I'm an only child, and I was very much sort of influenced by my mum. What my mum said I should do, I wanted to do, I should do. And um, I studied law. I became a, um, a government lawyer. So I had outwardly seen a, a successful career. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a lawyer. Hmm? Was your mother a lawyer? No, my mother was a doctor. Both my parents were doctors and she was living in this fear of making a mistake and then the lawyers coming at her. So she kept, I mean, it sounds absurd, but she kept, during my childhood, she kept saying, you need to understand the law, you need to know about the law. And I was quite easily influenced. I thought of, you know, um, these innocent people who are sitting in jail and <laughs> defending old ladies and things like that. And the reality is not quite as um, romantic, I suppose. And I just realized also when I was late 20s, early 30s that essentially I went to my desk in this office every day um, feeling like I wasted a day of my life and that's not to say that it can't be a good job for other people but it mm -hmm. was just not for me it was just soul destroying for me yeah. that's it and, yeah, yeah I can very much envisage you just um, I guess you know even there being able to tune into as you said almost what your soul wants um, and yeah. to at least know what it didn't want and how that feels. And the contrast, I guess, of even that moment as a 12-year-old of jumping into the sea um, and feeling whatever, alive or connected and, and then feeling the opposite to that in this career that had, to a certain extent, been paved out for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I do remember that as a teenager in school, what I really loved most was sort of literature and poetry and I had poetry clubs and we wrote poetry and you know and read it to each other and it was also very passionate and you know and then my mom said you know one doesn't study German one speaks it more or less and that was the end of that and um, and another thing I do remember from my childhood is both my parents were doctors and I was always worried about the old ladies that might have to go home on their own and you know, have no one to be with at Christmas and things like that. So I had this, 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 I don't like to call it caring, but I had in a way this, this need or urge to be with people very young. Mm. But when I was 18, the only thing I knew is that I didn't want to do medicine. It's the only thing I knew, didn't know anything else. And uh, because my mother really just had talked it out of me. And um, so, yeah, I ended up being a lawyer and feeling for many years, I guess, a lot of pain without being aware of it. I was in the wrong job. I was in the wrong relationship. And a part of me just 
felt that it was all wrong, but I, I, I hadn't, I had in a way either lost or not really discovered my gut, you mm. know, my inner wisdom that knows, or if I've ever felt it, I, I didn't follow it because I was afraid of losing, you know, the, the job, the husband, the, you know, being financially poor, essentially, all these fears, all, all always thinking that, you know, oh, it's for other people following their dreams, but mm -hmm. not for me. And actually, at the time, I didn't know what my dream was either. I just knew that I was, I mean, it sounds a bit grand, but it, it was suffering, you know, I was depressed. I, I had a lot of depression over my life, uh, again and again, better and worse. And um, yeah, I so I just knew it was painful. Yeah. Well, almost it sounds like life feels painful and, and I yes, guess absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. I guess I have this picture of, you know, you said a couple of times there, the old ladies, you know, and almost this fear or, or projection that life, you know, takes a certain route, but we all end up as lonely old ladies. I mean, that's quite something to um, impose on a, on a young, vibrant girl, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I felt very lonely um, throughout my childhood and even even sort of 20s when I was a student. And um, and that sort of was then interspersed with moments of enormous joy, you know, when I, I don't know, when I was, let's say, galloping on the holidays along the North Sea on a horse. Um, so it, it would go from from these moments of extreme joy and liberty and freedom to being essentially quite in my shell again and and yeah and sinking into depression again mm. and yeah do you think knowing that even because i think if we're always in a state of almost depression which to be honest must be pretty impossible there must be moments you know always of joy but being able to see the contrast and therefore on some soul level you know that this was you weren't necessarily you know galloping on the right path yes absolutely and i think also knowing deep down that something else is possible even though i might not have believed at the time that it might be possible for me Mm. Um, is what sort of, I mean, I would say I was never properly suicidal. I always wanted to live because there was always this uh, this feeling that it could be different. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, I was with um, Harriet McMaster's Green earlier today, and I said, what would you ask Bettina? She said, well, I'd ask what was the turning point. And I feel like, you know, the, the question is um, timely arriving now in the sense of, you know, uh, you said you lived this life till your kind of late 20s. And, and what do you think, what was the moment uh, that you maybe realized that this wasn't uh, the right path for you? Well, I mean, that I had realized much earlier, but I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what the alternative was or what the alternatives could be, because obviously each of us could live a hundred thousand different lives if we wanted um, I think the real turning point came exactly at, at when I was 40, when I turned 40, because that's when my husband left me. And um, my, my, in a way, I had married, as so many of us, I had married someone who treated me like my mother. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd gone back to being treated as before, even though that wasn't good for me. And um, 
so when he finally left me, thank God, best thing he ever done for me, <laughs> um, I was depressed for nine months, mm. was the length of a pregnancy. And then one, one morning I woke up and I thought, this is good. And I just felt the, the freedom really and the pain sinking away you know the ice age melting that i'd lived uh, lived in and it was extraordinarily difficult um financially with two young boys because my ex left and you know didn't support me or the boys mm. and um and what happened then is you know i needed to get on my feet again which was you know, I was overqualified. I had two university degrees, so I was overqualified for all the jobs that I, in a way, was experienced enough for because I'd lived in London for six years by that time or seven years and hadn't really worked in a job. I'd done a lot of volunteering. I had my kids, but I had no experience of being an English lawyer. So going straight into a legal job and earning enough money was not an option. Mm. And because I didn't, hadn't enjoyed the law, I didn't really want to convert to English law and become a lawyer, even though that would have made more money, of course. But so I, uh, yeah, it took me a while to get on my feet again and, you know, just have a job and feed the kids and all these things. And that was very difficult, very hard. I mean, not wanting to be political, but I have to say, you know, at the time we still had a Labour government who paid a bit of support to women in my situation I don't know how I would have done it otherwise yeah anyway um and then at some point I went to the Fintorn Foundation I guess this calling had been there for a while um, in terms of the foundation had you been yeah I've, I'd heard about Fintorn before and uh, people had told me about it and I was curious but um suddenly there was just this instant when I thought I'm going to go there for um, Midsummer's Day. And I, I, I booked it not even knowing who would be looking after my children. I mean, it was just very spontaneous. I needed to do this. And it was really, if I look back, that was about 20 years ago. And if I look back, that was really the turning point from, you know, being, being stuck in a rut and being depressed and um, then really enjoying and following my you know my what you want to call it my vibration my joy my my being alive mm. and it was because I you know I, I I got introduced to things like tree hugging five rhythms dancing you know singing Taizé in the morning um breath work energy work all these things and also the completely different relationships between people we we went there sort of for a week what they call experience week and you come into this room and you think oh god these are all, all odd people <laughs> and by the end of the week you um you know i mean you're just as odd as they are exactly exactly yeah. well <laughs> you've made you know you've you you you've made friends and you've come so close and you've hugged them like you've never hugged anyone who's not maybe your family member before so that was really what um what set me off to follow my you could say my joy and my my bliss more and and dare doing this yeah, yeah. i think i you know because i resonate with that i had some a similar feeling when i walked into the room uh with the school of wizards you know just mm. the sense of tribe of others who are 
maybe you know an openness and a vulnerability and a lightheartedness um and to feel it in the enormity of more than one person you know in in a space um and to some sense of kind of i guess kind of coming home because listening to you it's almost like stepping across the threshold of you know someone who uh, maybe felt lonely even obviously within the marriage with two boys and then you step into this place which is almost fairy tale like for you it sounds well i mean that's not a bad uh, you know comparison and in, in fintorn i don't know whether you know fintorn but they you know they do believe in fairies in the garden and uh, and and the devas who help the cabbages grow and the the, the nature spirits and I mean, I went from being a very analytical, critical, legally educated mind to suddenly thinking, God knows what's out there, you know, God knows what's possible. I certainly don't know much. <laughs> so, and, um, and a willingness to be open to that, which is remarkable. Well, I mean, that came automatically. I, I mean, I guess I was yearning for it. You know, I was I was waiting for this opportunity to to be open and feel received and receive in a way the, yeah. you know the in the end it's it's all about suddenly feeling the flow of the energy you know i mean i, I know I, I can't explain it but that's what it felt like just sort of allowing the flow of the of of the energy through me yeah. aligning it's all sounds a bit sort of theoretical when you talk about it but it's I, I guess the difference was also between me stopping to push for, you know, a job that paid better or a, a more educated job or God knows what or for more money from him or stopping to push and learning to allow, you know, learning to just watch what comes your way in a way. Mm. And I'm not saying that happened like, like, like turning a switch a light switch you know it wouldn't go from one way to another way overnight but sort of that's where I began to 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 feel the possibility of allowing stuff to come my way and things to develop my way mm. well Andrew and I often talk about you know the moment of change or the the gradients of change you know and how it comes often through desperation or inspiration mm. um and so even you know your path and your route around you know, as you said, the corporate thinking and the lawyer within you, the analytical brain, and then moving much more into this energy world. Um, and as you said, it can't kind of happen overnight. It's something that, uh, you know, is obviously has always been there. And almost you have the evidence that the other route doesn't feel good or, di or didn't work for you. Um, and, you know, and at that moment of whatever calling or desperation that then took you to Findhorn, um and has led you you know on something that now for you feels much more intuitive and much more aligned to i i guess who you feel you really are yeah i mean the one of the first things that came out of fintorn i mean in all that time i still had a job in the city at the time as a fundraiser you know because that's what i could do and what they paid me for but um sort of the first thing that came out of fintorn as such was that i started working with an organization called the human awareness institute or hi for short which is an californian american organization and they run workshops on love sex and intimacy and it's not it's not an orgy it's not tantra it essentially it was about 
making connecting connecting to yourself on a more intimate le level and connecting to others on a more you know intimate and non-judgmental level mm. and um again that was an enormous eye opener to me also you know when i say workshops on love sex and in intimacy a big part of this was also to understand that many so many of us think intimacy is the same as sexuality and you need to be sexual in order to be intimate and to, and i mean that's one thing i had done in my 20s you know looking for intimacy and love and support and closeness by having sex yeah you know which um you know not to be judgmental but it didn't get me what i wanted <laughs> and you um, never so, get quite met yeah exactly and so i learned there a lot about you know supporting people being with people connecting to people and in in quite a magical way and i felt also that with the people who i met through this work who, who, many of whom have become lifelong friends the quality of relationship and connecting with each other is so different and mm. so light and deep at the same time and um so that has very much influenced you know the, the therapist i am today yeah. i'm intrigued. the way I, I hold people yeah yeah i'm intrigued how you found it almost being the only child and you know and as you said two parents who are doctors who my assumption is you know are much more in the um the western medical uh system you know and so to to know that intimacy is um it, it vital for our relationship with ourselves let alone others there's one thing about theoretically knowing it right and then being able to drop into that you know into the trust and the depth of it having not known not known it or felt it necessarily through the parental relationship you know and that and not through siblings as well i imagine that's quite a challenge to 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 know what that feels like well um i guess you know it when you feel it yeah you know it when you get it Mm. and um in a way it's um sometimes i think i mean i i'm i'm not a doctor i have at some points in my life regretted later the decision not to consider medicine so but in a way i came back to supporting people and being with people and often with ill people as well um and so it feels in a way i've come full circle there yeah because i liked i think you said earlier how you know, you knew you wanted to re be around people. And I guess even, you know, with the the law, um, you, it doesn't work in isolation, you know, and, and it is connected to people. So even though it's not done in the same way that you now work with others, you know, there is still that innate uh, wanting to do the right thing or the not the right thing, the um, uh, I guess the, the best thing for both parties um, and to work together in collaboration. Um, and to maybe serve those who, you know, the, the energy of that is still there for you to serve those who are maybe not able to quite do that for themselves. Um, and that's very uh, important in the work that you now do, isn't it? Well, I mean, it, it, that was very much always the intention, but unfortunately, you know, it's not really the reality because you spend most of your time sitting alone at a desk over dusty files and folders, you know. In, at, at least that was my reality of the of the mm. law at the time. 
So yes, but but you're right. I mean, the intention was a different one. Yeah. Yeah. So do you look back over your life and see that as it sounds like um, this is your life that we know we've, you've got many more years to come, Bettina, but, you know, at this point, do you sit from a place of hindsight and, and see the thread and the, um, the reason why your life has mapped out the way it has? Yes, I do. I do. And, um, and I mean, it's a process, you know, I don't, there's no, no, no goal as such. I mean, there's always, there will always be something to work on, let go of, reconsider. And, you know, it's, 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 it's not, it's not as if there is a goal and then you stop and mm. <laughs> take a deep <laughs> breath and say, now I'm here. Um, but sometimes it's most fascinating actually to just stop and look back 10 years or 20 years and see what's happened since then. And that's when you only realize how how far you've come really or, or how much you've shed I suppose or how, how much I've shed I should say you know it's not so much about change I think it's more about shedding and unraveling exposing what's really true I suppose hmm. which is kind of sounds like an onion right it's almost coming back it's to exactly. what, it, what, yeah, yeah. what it should be or who you really exactly. are and the yeah. Yeah. The layers we build up and um, armor, I guess, and, uh, you know, the things that we've had to do to survive. And then it's almost I'm reading a beautiful book at the moment by Sharon Blackie. Um, uh, and it often it's talking about Haggitude, which I think is a fabulous name. Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'm looking forward to my Haggitude years, but almost <laughs> that uh, maybe I'm in them. Uh, that moment, you know, when the second half of our life is very much kind of where we really step into who we are, which I think is, you know, is encouraging and, uh, you know, beautiful to, as you said, feel those layers shedding away and to really start to understand who you are and what you need from yourself and others. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that because when you asked me for what was the turning point in a way, and I said it was when I was 40 and my husband left me, um, it really felt, my 40s really felt like I was living my teens again, you know, as if I was just discovering the world, uh, learning how to be in the world, exploring things, exploring in a way that I wasn't allowed and didn't dare when I was a real teenager, you know. So um, that was was a wonderful process. And um, I and I loved it. Yeah. yeah. And so can I be interested in your relationship, therefore, with your parents? Are they still with you? No, no. I mean, my my dad's long gone. I mean, my dad, how, how long has he been gone? Oh, 25 years or so. And mm. I was much much closer to my dad in terms of personality than than my mum uh, my mum died about seven years ago and actually she made it possible for me to make this switch from you know going to my desk in the city every day to feed the boys and actually then when she left me a bit of money to say okay now I don't have an excuse anymore and I gave up my day job and I started doing what I do full time and it wouldn't have been possible if she hadn't left me <laughs> so I'm very grateful to her for that. Yeah. Isn't that. It's interesting, right? How fascinating that, you know, um, the path she wanted to, you know, the chains of the path she wanted you to go down and then actually being able to give you the lock and to uh, to unravel the chains and take a new path, the more yeah. one that's more aligned for you. 
Of course, what she really wanted is my mum was a very, very um, scared person. I've never come across anyone who had more anxiety and fears in her life than my mum. I mean, she would have one twitch and she was convinced it was cancer um, and things like we would be, you know, my dad and I would be five minutes late and she was convinced there was a deadly car crash or something like that. She She lived in constant crippling fear. And of course, the way she wanted to stir my life was out of a a deep need want to know that I'm safe mm. that I'm looked after that I have a, earn enough money and all these things but of course for me that was just crippling she didn't mean badly but for me it was really it was a straitjacket yeah well, what age did you live leave home then Bettina well I, I left home when I was 18 I think to go to university but actually I mean again that's not a you know a new discovery we don't you know we take it with us I took a lot of the stuff that you know a a lot of the things I've done in my life were me repeating things that I'd learned you know and uh, so it's not just as easy as saying okay goodbye I'm going now and I'm living a different life Uh, I noticed I lived in, in quite a few parts in the world and I always when I was young I always wanted to get away get away from small town and different cultures big cities and at some point I realized you know but I always take myself and my stuff with me so exactly exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I like the analogy of the shed in you know and, and as you said again in your head you can kind of have an understanding of um maybe your as you said your it, for your mum it was around you being safe but the sense in the body is um is uh you know it's huge right carrying that kind of fear um and it's yeah. innate innate and something that you uh, were born into even coming in out of the womb and into the world you step into that world of fear in the energy yeah. Yeah. so for you then to talk about kind of you know um being able to sit in a river or to find those moments of quietness and essentially i guess peace within the body is yeah. you know it's probably one of you know is one of the biggest achievements for you yeah i mean it it just gives me such a beautiful sense of not needing anything I mean I, I'm, I'm just thinking of every time when spring comes around I love spring it's my favorite season and every time spring comes around and when I go for the for a walk and the magnolias are starting to come out and you know the first beautiful flowers and then I just think everything is perfect right now and I need absolutely nothing else in life and I could die this moment and I'd just be happy and it's essentially it's all about this state isn't it mm. and just knowing that we're unlikely to be in that state 24 7 but just allowing myself to know this state and be there with so very little you know like being grateful for lots of little things that happen in your daily life mm. that um that's what makes the difference not really whether we drive a Porsche or not so yeah yeah well and and I guess the word that comes up for me is almost that safety you know that you can feel safe with nothing just well I mean in 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 a way in a way that brings us a little bit if you don't mind Carmen that brings us a little bit more to what I do you know um because I mean you 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 said you introduced me an integrative energy uh, therapist is what I do my my main 
my main modality is EFT. If people know that tapping, also also known as emotional freedom techniques, but I also involve include hypnotherapy, energy healing, all sorts of things that I've learned over my life. And what's what what is at the very core of it, I find, is really where I want to get to is really to get the people I, I work with, I support to being able to look in the mirror and just deeply and completely and truly love and accept whoever they see in that mirror in this moment, no matter where they are in life, no matter what life is throwing at them. Mm. Because... Sorry, you you wanted to say something. No, I just said that's beautiful, right? You think with everything going on in the world, if we could all find that within ourselves. Well, I, I think mm -hmm. in the end, this is this is the place. And I'm not saying that I myself, I'm the, I am there every day in 24-7, but I have learned over so many years and over so many you know times I've walked around in circles that this place is possible, that it's there for me if mm. I'm open to it. And if I if I encourage it and myself because you know i mean just to give you an example i i work a lot with cancer patients not exclusively but it so happened long story that i worked for a cancer charity and they sent me a lot of their clients so i worked with a lot of cancer patients and sometimes you know it's of course often it's about just getting you know helping with the anxiety and with daily stuff uh, day to day but I mean sometimes it's a terminal diagnosis and for some there is no healing from the cancer and it's still possible and I've had I've, I've had the privilege to to go with a few people that way you know right at their end yeah to to help them be at peace and enjoy at this moment, be, you know, facing their death just there. I mean, we all do. We just don't think about it 24 seven, but at some point there must be an end to trying to yet find another solution. You know, if you see what I mean, uh, that, that the fight needs to stop mm. in order to find this place of, I can accept and love this scared person child inside me that knows is going to die and uh, it's beautiful it's beautiful to to see that and a huge liberation for their families as well i don't know whether liberation is the right word but mm. and um i guess so what, it's it's yeah sorry no i was just gonna say i guess what comes up for me is this you know the the completeness of the story around fear and love you know, and so being born into an environment that can feel crippled in the fear and then the witnessing of, you know, the, those of us who come towards the end of our life who could could really come from a place of fear of, you know, whatever the, the abyss is afterwards and being able to, in that moment, which is probably the most challenging moment of our life, to be able to drop there into joy or peace. I mean, that's quite remarkable isn't it well i mean that's what i would hope to for myself you know mm -hmm. and i know it's possible of course the fear is there i mean there is in the end as you just said there is only love and fear that's the two 
the two basic emotions that that drive us don't they as a mammal you know trying to stay safe and trying to grow and go out and procreate but um yeah i mean it's not all i mean it sounds all rather heavy i suppose now and sad and where is the positive you know where's the positive but in the end my you know of course it's great if we walk around the world and we're positive and we can be positive and we feel the sun in our skin and just are skipping down the 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 high street that's when things fall into place and when we're really happy but the reality is that you know there's so many moments when when we feel desperate and sad and scared and the, the the peace i guess really lies in being able to embrace myself then yeah i mean i agree i think if we can find in all of this if we can find our own peace with everything you know with the with the joy with the laughter with the sadness with the anger um and allow i guess all of that to be there and yet know that we can go internally to a level of acceptance and inner peace then for me that is life um, a vibrancy of life and therefore we're not driven by the fear of i guess the ultimate you know either as you the you know not being safe or death if we're not fearful of those feelings and emotions and states of being that that for me is a sense of freedom in this life um and that absolutely. that's what life is about <laughs> absolutely absolutely i think you nailed that really and um yeah it's it's possible mm. i mean it sounds now as if it's all very very sort of dark and heavy but no it's um you know there's a lot of laughter in in the work i do <laughs> And that, exactly and, and that, i've worked with you with clients we've done some work together haven't we yeah, and you yeah. know and i think that's you know that's really important what you're saying is you know some people shy away from this work because they think it's heavy and um you know uh weighty and of course there is sometimes we have to trudge through that but the other yes, end is yeah. this huge lightness and joyfulness and expressiveness because we're not carrying the weight of the world you know um, well, the thing is it's worth it it's definitely worth it yeah and the other thing is that in a way you need to let yourself in to do it because it's not enough to you know have a session with me or any of the other wonderful uh, you know um, soul health practitioners therapists it's about really deciding that you want to go on this journey and you know do, do it do it every day in a way it's about allowing it to come into your life I guess yeah yeah and as you said you know from your own journey sometimes um you know we never know when that quite is whether it's we're 19 or 35 or 85 right it's uh you know um as you said it's kind of trying to remain as open as we can um your, and your curiosity is, is a good word there curiosity yeah yeah, yeah. I love yeah. Well, I could talk to you all day, Bettina. Yes. <laughs> there's me much too. more I would love to discover. Maybe there's a yeah. podcast in itself about orgasms and about Findhorn and uh, bringing up the boys and, and all of those uh, topics, which um, we'd like to do as podcasts as 
but this one in particular is just to mm. bring a flavor of you for people in the work that you do and and essentially i think what's most important is how you do the work and the person behind the work um and i have a real sense of you in this conversation today of you know you doing your own work and finding that peace within that therefore you're able to sit with others um and explore that with them because you've done the work um, yeah i mean that's that's how i see it and i think i've you know i've taken a few extra loops sometimes going around in circles and maybe <laughs> I can help someone to to avoid one or two of the loops <laughs> but it's all it's all towards the wisdom and the knowledge i think exactly it's all towards the sort of the center of the spiral i guess yeah exactly exactly um so thank you so much for your time today well thank you it's been really lovely to chat to you carmen and can i just say it's uh, you're doing such wonderful work full out of the fullness of your heart and generosity you and andrew and i i really really appreciate it no, our pleasure our pleasure you talk about you know it's kind of finding your flow and yeah um, you know and what brings us joy you know and in the same way you said as connecting with people you know being mm. able to expand uh the the wisdom i believe that we we all hold within us and seeing that within us all um and amplifying that out you know so others can experience you and your work um i think you know that's the thing that gives me a huge mm -hmm. sense of joy and andrew too so uh i appreciate it so in terms of people finding you uh they obviously can find you on the soul hub website um yes they can they yeah can contact with you there um, and they can work with you, you know, as groups or one-to-one -one or as a business looking to um, hold a space or a charity um, and um, I guess yeah, hold a space for others um, through the EFT work and your energy work. Is there anything yeah. else you want to add there? No, I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and we will see you at our next Soul Hubbers podcast. Thank you, Carmen. Bye. Bye.